0: Well, this morning, uh, I, uh, I'm going to give you a very quick overview of a book that we're offering, a uh, brand new book, uh, just published, endorsed by Focus on the Family, Forgive Your Way to Freedom. And uh, I'm going to give you the movie trailer version of, this, of, uh, of the book uh, this morning in the short time that I have with you. I actually do a lot of voiceover work, nothing real exciting. Usually, you've heard me from such great hits as, Please Step Off the Monorail, or... Uh, Five Ways to Clean Your Deep Fryer. I mean, very exciting things. But every now and then, I do get to do a movie trailer. And I've often wondered, why don't we do bulletin announcements like we do movie trailers? Wouldn't that be a lot more interesting? Well, I really was impressed by uh, the announcement of the fishing expedition. But if you had a voiceover artist do it, it would sound something like this. In a world where men use bait of drowned worms on barbed hooks into the abyss of the deep sea, in search of thin creatures they fry and eat, or devour raw in sushi. To join this expedition, contact Pastor Rob, if you dare. (laughs) So I'm going to give you my, I'm going to go fast, uh, just some of the highlights that I think you need to know about forgiveness. It's a movie trailer version. The movie is the book, and I really encourage you to get a copy of that because it'll go into so much more detail than what I can share with you. Now, had a huge line this morning, and we moved rather quickly, and you may be thinking, you know, as much as I need forgiveness or I would love to have a book about it, if I'm standing in line for a book about forgiveness, aren't people going to point and say, ah, you've got an issue with forgiveness? Well, let's test that theory, shall we? How many in this room have ever been hurt by somebody else? and you you needed to forgive them. Raise your hand and hold it up high. Look at all the hands, everybody. Okay? You're not alone. Now let me ask you this. How many in this room have ever hurt someone else? I'm not saying you meant to, but you hurt someone else and you had to go and ask for for their forgiveness. Now look around. Look at all the sinners in this church. Come on. How many of you are not going to raise your hand no matter what I ask you? Now seriously, if you couldn't answer if you couldn't raise your hand to either one of those questions, may I be the first to welcome your species to planet Earth? <laughs> Let's face it, folks. We all need forgiveness. Forgiveness is something that impacts every life. Every family, every marriage, every church, every relationship, every business, every culture, everybody. And when the power of forgiveness is released, it, has, it does so much more than just win the loss to salvation. Forgiveness has the power to restore broken relationships, to totally transform empty lives, to reconcile hopeless marriages, to, re- to heal hurting families, to unite divided churches to rebuild entire nations, and to change the whole world. And the reason it has so much power is because when we forgive, that's when we're most like God. You might want to check out this book. But wait, there's more. I've also recently done an e-book, which you can download on your computer. And it's 10 lessons on how to teach your kids to forgive. Can you imagine the poor choices, the misery, the, weak, the pain we could spare our children if we taught them at an early age how to forgive, how to deal with challenging relationships? These are 10 lessons that you can sit down and do with your kids. And as you do, you not only really learn a lot about your kids, you're going to learn a lot about yourself. For, so, for the cost of a cup of coffee, you can change the course of your children's lives. I encourage you to uh, also take advantage of that. Okay, one more thing, and then we're going to dive into the word. I I just want to say once again to Pastor Jeff how much I appreciate the the privilege of being here and to speak to your people. Now, you folks have got something real special going on here. You may think that every church just has amazing worship and powerful preaching, and everybody just gets along like, oh, no, no, it's not true. This is exceptional. And that is in due in great part to the tremendous leadership of Pastor Jeff, his wife, Connie. Rather than ask you to stand, you stay seated and everybody else stand up. And let's thank your pastor for his leadership. Amen. All right, now stay standing. While you're standing, would you read with me the, the verse I've chosen as our text for this morning, uh, found right there in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Let's read it out loud together, and then please remain standing for our prayer. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let's remain standing. Father, we ask now that you will honor your word. Jesus has promised us that the truth will set us free. Help me now, Lord, to speak the truth so that we can forgive our way to freedom. We ask it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Thank you. You thought you were being dismissed, didn't you? (laughs) No, 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 not yet. Hang on. All right, before I talk about anything about forgiveness, we have to distinguish the difference between what I call common grace and forgiveness. And to help me, I've chosen that great theologian, Gary Larson, from the Far Side Cartoons, Here you see a picture of the Almighty who has created the heavens and the earth. He's now adding in all the ingredients. He's holding a jar, marked jerks, with the expression, and just to make it interesting, (laughs) hey, let's face it, folks. There's always going to be people in your life who will irritate you. They will drive too close to you or cut you off on a freeway. They will talk too loud on a cell phone if you're in a restaurant. Or worst of all, they will text while you're preaching. I mean, these are really irritating things. Or I, I see Mota sitting in, at the front row here. Don't mean to embarrass you, brother, but would you mind to just stand for just a quick second? You, Dodger man. Or even when the Dodgers give up 15 runs to the Astros, they're still willing to forgive. Bless you, brother. All right. Thank you. We don't take it out of you, but... I had to do that. No, I didn't have to. I just chose to. Okay, let's move on. All right. Um, oh, and uh, so, uh, uh, anyway, you know, we're just going to have to deal with that. I don't think that folks who irritate us do it so much because they're malicious. It's just they're more thoughtless. And they need common grace. not forgiveness, just common grace to move on. Because let's face it, sometimes we are that irritating person, aren't we? But folks, this morning I want to talk to you about something that requires more than just common grace. Those things in our lives that have thrown us off course. Issues of abandonment or rejection or abuse. Whether it be verbal or physical or sexual. Deep cuts. Deep wounds. Because these are the things that tattoo themselves on our hearts. And leave indelible scars on our soul. And they impact how we think, how we feel, how we choose what is true or what is real, and ultimately how we live every day of our lives. And that's why it is so important to find, to forgive your way to freedom. Because once you are free, there ain't nothing you can't do. So, how do we do that? Let me just give you a few highlights. First of all, show God where it hurts. When I was a child, if I hurt myself playing on the playground or whatever it was, I could run to mom and cry, and mom would always ask, show me where it hurts. And I would point to my scraped knee, and she would wash it off and put a Band-Aid on it and never underestimate the medicinal power of a mother's kiss on a skinned-up knee. And even though it still hurts, I just felt better knowing that somebody cared. This morning, I want you to know there is no one who cares more about you than your heavenly Father. Let me illustrate that from Psalm 147, verses 3 and 4. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. I've read that if I look up into a starry sky at night, I can see about 3,000 stars. It would be hard to memorize the names of 3,000 stars, but I suppose it's humanly possible. But if I look through a powerful telescope, I'm told that now I'm looking at about 100,000 stars in the heavens. Now we're beyond that of human possibility, we're talking about God-sized vision. But if I were to ask an astrophysicist, how many stars are there? If he was honest, he would say, we really don't know because there's just so many, and we continue to add as we explore the universe. But if I had to give you a number today, that number would be 306 trillion stars. That is the number 300 followed by 21 zeros. Let me try to put that into some kind of perspective for you. Imagine if you could the biggest book in your house. Before dictionary.com came along, they used to be dictionaries or encyclopedias, something like that. Big, thick book. And imagine this big, thick book could hold the names of a million stars. And if I held up this book and I said to you, God knows the name of every one of them, that would impress you. But I would need a library that held one million volumes of that book. And I would need 300 trillion libraries the same size. And your Heavenly Father knows every one by name. So I have to ask you is there any detail in your life that He does not know about or care about? He didn't send his son Jesus to die for stars. He sent them to die for you and for me. Show God where it hurts. And don't be disappointed if God will heal your heart but leave the scars. Wait a minute. What do you mean? Remember, when Jesus rose from the grave and he stood before his disciples, one of them doubted. What did Jesus use to prove it was him? Look at the scars on my hands and on my side. You see, God had a purpose to keep the scars there. One day, when we see Jesus, we will see those scars. And we will be reminded for eternity how much you are loved. Why we are here in heaven. These are not scars of shame. They are emblems of glory and honor and victory. And love. And so are your scars. You see, scars help us learn more, help us understand better, appreciate greater, grow deeper, and draw closer to God. God has a purpose for your scars. But whether you see your scars as marks of shame or badges of honor and healing depends entirely upon your ability to forgive. Let's move on. I must extend forgiveness regardless of my offender's response. (laughs) Now, it would be easier if my offender said he was sorry. And a lot of times, even Christians say, well, I'll forgive if they come crawling to me and tell me they're sorry, right? But which comes first, repentance or forgiveness? Before you answer, let's look at what the Bible says. Look, if you would, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet sinners. Jesus did not say to us, You say you're sorry, and then I'll come to the cross and die for you. You see, God had already extended forgiveness. All I had to do was come and get it. Yesterday, I checked into the hotel that the church graciously provided for me. And when I checked in, the lady at the desk said, oh, you're Mr. Mertz. Well, the church has something for you. And they gave me this package that weighed about 18 pounds. Your your church is so classy. I mean, so gracious. I don't know what you were thinking because I'm telling you that package, there was enough food and treats in there. I could have been holed up in that hotel for weeks and would never have gone hungry. Now, it was there for me. If I didn't take it, I wouldn't have gotten it. Or if I take it, I get it. But it wouldn't have changed the fact that the church gave it to me. You see? And this is how it works with forgiveness. I must forgive regardless of my offender's response. Whether they choose it or not doesn't matter. I've extended it just as God has extended his forgiveness to us. Now, working through the forgiveness process may take more time depending upon the nature of the offense. So I want to assure you that. But my commitment to forgive must be immediate, must be now. And then I begin to work through that process. You see, any time that I am waiting for someone else to do something, I've given up control of the whole situation. Forgiveness is about using my power. Unforgiveness is about being subject to someone else's power. And that's not freedom. And that's not what God wants you to have. Next. Don't lose your temper. Find it. The reason I bring this out... That's a pregnant pause, you're all thinking. Why? Why did you bring it out? Okay, I'll tell you. It's because if you don't deal with your anger, you will never be able to forgive. They're interrelated. They go together. Now, uh, a lot of people say, you know, I, I can't control my temper. My temper is something I was born with. Or I'm Italian. Or I'm Irish. Or some excuse of why. I've been in men's groups and, and guys almost treat it like a badge of honor. Yeah, you don't want to mess with me. when oh, oh, I can't control my temper. Baloney. We can control our temper. Tell me if this hasn't happened in your home you're in the middle of an argument and someone comes to the door or the phone rings. It looks like this. Well, don't blame me. She's your mother ring. Hello. Hi. Yes. This is pastor Gill. How are we? We're just basking in God's love and peace. All right. Now tell me that hasn't happened to you. So if you tell me or expect me to believe That you can't control your temper, let me say this, and I don't mean to offend you, you're a big fat liar. (laughs) We can control our temper, we we just need to choose to. Now ironically, the Bible does not condemn anger in itself. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 4, go ahead and be angry, you do well to be angry. Anger can motivate us to do something that we normally wouldn't do. To make something that's wrong, make it right. It gives us energy. It gives us motivation. When Martin Luther King Jr. looked out and saw his fellow Americans being treated subhuman just because they were black, he became angry, but he channeled that anger into the civil rights movement, which made America better for everybody. Amen? Amen. Let me give you another name. You don't know the name Candy Lightner, probably. But she had her young daughter mowed down by a drunken driver. And it made her angry. But she channeled that anger to change the laws about drunk driving, which has saved millions of lives. But I bet you can tell me the name of the organization she founded. MAD. That's right. So anger itself is not the problem. Here's the problem. Don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Stay up and fight. No, don't go to bed angry. (laughs) Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Listen. uh, How many things have you said and done in a fit of anger that you have regretted? That's because you're giving the devil that kind of a foothold. Listen, the reason you become angry is for three reasons. You're either hurt, you're frustrated, or you're afraid. And it's good if you can just take the time before you react and think, okay, so why am I frustrated? Why am I, what am I afraid of? What has got me so hurt? And why is it important that you pinpoint the reason so you don't take it out on the wrong person? Guys, we'll talk to our wives in ways that we would never talk to the person we're mad at. Because we can. That goes other ways too. But find out why. What is driving your anger? And rather than express your anger to resolve your pain, why not express your pain to resolve your anger? Husbands, your wives asked me to repeat this. Rather than express your anger to resolve your pain, express your pain to resolve your anger. And wives, your, your husbands ask me to say this to you. When they ask you if there's something wrong, don't say, nothing. <laughs> Same thing goes for you too. All right, let's move on. Unforgiveness is a sin with serious consequences. We must know that. In Matthew 18, we hear the familiar story of the unforgiving servant. Guy owed the king a gazillion dollars. Couldn't pay it. Asked for mercy. He forgave him. Later that very same day, he, his friend owes him five bucks, and he won't forgive it. And so what does the king do? Here's what Jesus says at the end of that story. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owes. Wow. Harsh, but Fair. But the very next verse are some of the most solemn words our Lord ever spoke. And here they are. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now we can debate exactly what that means, but I believe what Jesus is talking about here is we create our own torture chamber when we refuse to forgive, made of bars of anger and bitterness and rage and resentment. And I would also contend to you this morning that unforgiveness is perhaps the most dangerous of all sins. All sin is bad. But all sin offers some sort of fake reward, right? wouldn't be tempting if it didn't. And when I yield to that temptation, the Holy Spirit convicts me of that sin until I repent. Once I do, I'm forgiven, and my fellowship with God is restored, Right? Unforgiveness does not work like that. I'm not tempted to not forgive. I don't even see it coming. It just hits me. I'm hurt and I default to my natural reaction, which is to hurt back or to withhold forgiveness. And this is a sin I'm committing while all the while I think I'm doing the right thing. You see what I'm saying? It's the easiest sin of all to rationalize, to justify. I have a right to feel this way. I deserve to withhold forgiveness. It's like walking lost in a jungle with a compass that's broken. You think it's taking you the right way, but all it's doing is taking you deeper and deeper into the jungle. And that's why you need to be rid of it. Moving along quickly. We can never forget, but we can learn to remember in a different way yeah, I'm telling you, you're not going to be able to forget. I can forgive. I just can't forget. Forgetting is overrated. You don't have to forget to forgive. You've heard the expression an elephant never forgets. You know where that came from? Now, there's a lot of expressions about animals I can't explain. I've never seen a pig sweat, you know, sweating like a pig. Okay. I'll just take your word for that. Eat like a horse. Well, how many calories can there be in hay? If you come to my house, you'll laugh when I say, working like a dog, and you see my little dog, Izzy, whose whole life is, will I spend all day on the couch or on the easy chair? (laughs) And I've been told that you can skin a cat. And apparently, there's more than one way you can do it, but I don't want to go there at all. But I can tell you why an elephant never forgets. You see, unscrupulous circus owners needed to control these massive animals. And they did it by tying a rope around their leg and driving a wooden stake into the ground. And this little elephant would pull and tug until it realized it couldn't give up. And it would grow up that way. And so that a full-grown elephant that could knock over a tree won't move because it thinks it can't because of the rope. And you know why? Because an elephant never forgets. Many of us are like that poor elephant. We are stuck in the ground with our past, and we think we can't move on in the present or into the future because of our past is holding us back. And so we relive our past pain over and over and over and over and over again. The word resentment comes from the Latin word resenter, which means to feel again. So let me ask you, if you're the kind of person that can't forget and you just relive this pain over and over again, what have you learned in all the times you thought it over and over again? Has it ever made you feel better? Have you grown as a person? And most of all, didn't it hurt enough the first time? What if, if I can't forget, I could remember in a different way? Once again, the Bible has the answer. Because in Romans 12, 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Advertisers know this very well. They know that if I can convince you, if I can change the way you think, it'll change your, your, the way you feel, it'll change the way you behave, and you'll buy my product. I love Nike. I will gladly pay you top dollar to wear yours, to, to do, give you free advertising by wearing your shirts or, or your shoes. It's brilliant. you got to give it to them. It's all about changing the way we think. In the book, I give much, several different ways that you can talk about this. Let me give you one real quick. Changing the way we think, part of that is by reframing our story. All of us look through life through a very small frame by design. We are the masters of that frame. We control what we see, what we understand. Unfortunately, not everything that is happening in that frame is everything that has happened in our lives. Oftentimes when we're trying to work through an issue of forgiveness, we see the person who hurt us as the 100% villain and we're the 100% victim. In most cases, that's not true, though there are some where that is absolutely true. I'm thinking of abuse, where you absolutely were a victim. No question about that. And again, we deal more with that in the book. Let me illustrate it this way. Now, there's our hero right there. You probably don't recognize me because I'm wearing my Clark Kent glasses. See? Superman. Clark Kent. Superman. Clark Kent. Correct me if I'm wrong, but, but weren't Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen investigative reporters for the Navy Planet and they couldn't figure that out? Okay. I will be signing these 8x10 glossies. They're normally $20 a piece, but for today only, it's 2 for 50 So get in line, and you'll take advantage of that. <laughs> now, all you see is me in that picture. It would be easy to conclude that's all that's going on, but it's not. What if I reframed that same picture? There you would see me standing next to a really cute blonde that's been hanging around with me for almost 30 years. And yes, my wife knows all about her. That is my wife. Just by reframing the picture, I see all kinds of details I didn't see before. Well, what if I open it all the way up? And now it's me, Patricia, and we're sitting next to the thundering Niagara Falls. I didn't see all of that in the first picture, but as I reframe my story, I see all kinds of details that I didn't see before. This is one of the ways, and there are many more, that you can change the way you think and it will change the way you feel and change the way you behave. And listen, let me just say this real quick. If you are a victim of abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, according to national statistics, one in six men will have reported some sort of sexual unwanted contact as a child. For women, it's one in four. It's probably more than that. These are the only ones we have reported. Now, just think about those numbers and just run those numbers. So I look out at this crowd. I think about those numbers. As I sit in Dodger Stadium with 40,000 people, you discover there are thousands of people who are deeply hurting. Let me say this. If you look in the frame of your life and you see yourself as no longer having value, as somehow defective, as unworthy of love, or anything less than the beautiful masterpiece that God created you to be, I'm here to tell you that is not true. Just as there's nothing that you could ever do that God cannot forgive, there is nothing that has been done to you that God cannot forgive. Which leads me to my final point. Praise God. Listen, folks, your fate is not your destiny. Fate may have dealt you with some ugly blows, but it's not the end of the story. We know the story of Joseph. Oh, if anyone had a destiny, it was Joseph, the coat of many colors. And yet over and over again, life dealt him some horrible setbacks, but it was not his destiny. Ultimately, he would find his destiny, which was basically to protect the line of Israel from which Jesus would come. His destiny was to help save the whole world. And all of that, by the way, was made possible because he forgave his brothers. And what did he say to his brothers? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done. God has the final word in your life. When I grew up, I have to tell you quickly, I had the triple whammy, is what I called it. I grew up in a very abusive home. My father had two settings, anger and rage. Anger was a bad day. Rage was a very bad day. And as a young child, I didn't say, my dad is nuts. No, I thought it was me. I was the bad one. And that constant message that you are no good was just, pounded into my head when we went to school i was one of 11 kids okay very very poor and i don't know what it is about bullies you would think just being poor would be a punishment enough let's get him and every day i'd walk into school and they would all yell mertz cooties everybody tag out and just that message of no value was just constantly reinforced We're very religious. Every Sunday I went to church and all I knew about God was that he was just like my dad. He was always smiting something. He was always mad about something. I just knew that, wow, you know, God is always angry. And so Satan was pretty much cultivating the next serial killer through all of these messages of reinforcement that your destiny is no good. But then God gave me something that he's given every one of you. A choice. And I could either continue down that same tradition of my father and his father and his father and his father, or I could say, Enough! No more. We're going to go down a different path. Why? Because with God's grace, I can. And so can you. Yes, the Bible does say that the sins of the Father are visited upon the third and fourth generation, but. Those who love my commandments will be blessed for a thousand generations. And so, I've decided for the next generation, we're going to take a different path. This is my little granddaughter, and I'll let, I'll let you guess who has who wrapped around their little finger. <laughs> I love our grandchildren. I love to wrestle with them love to buy them things and take them places and hold them in my arms and tell them over and over again, you're so good, you're so smart, you're so precious. God loves you and I love you. But perhaps the greatest gift I can give my grandchildren is they will never, ever be touched by the scars of their poppy. That curse was lifted the day I forgave my way to freedom. So I'm going to close out real quick. i want to ask you four questions. Number one, have your sins been forgiven? Have you ever asked God to forgive you of your sins? If you've never asked, if you've never been a Christian, today's your day. Secondly, is there someone you need to forgive? You know, no one benefits more than me when I forgive. And no one suffers more than me when I don't. Thirdly, is there someone in your life You need to go talk to them. Write them a letter. Call them on the phone and tell them, I'm sorry. And set both of you free. And finally, what on earth are you waiting for? Let's bow our heads. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. And now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will move throughout this room and touch hearts, Lord, as they are open to you. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm going to ask so I can pray for you a show of hands. If you'd like to ask God to forgive you of your sins and become a Christian today, would you just raise your hand real quick and hold it up high so that I can see that hand and pray for you? Is there anyone? Raise that hand. God bless you. Are you here this morning and there's someone that you've struggled to forgive and today you're going to make a commitment and say, I will forgive. I choose to forgive today. Lord, you'll help me in the journey. We'll work it out together. But as of right now, I choose to forgive. Would you hold up your hand so I can pray for you? Hands up all over the church. God bless you. God bless you. Is there anyone here who will also make a commitment this morning? There's someone, there's some unfinished business in my life. I need to go to that person and ask them, tell them I'm sorry. Would you have the courage to hold up your hand and say, pray for me? I'm going to go see this person. I see those hands. God bless you. Gracious Heavenly Father, oh dear Holy Spirit, now fall on these lives. Touch them, I pray. Honor the commitment. Give them the courage, the boldness, and the power to follow through on the commitment they've made today because we ask it in Jesus' name.